Speed fighter, trellis frame, huge fork clamps, solid performance. I sped toward the area called Aventura, hurried to meet my sponsor. The international grifter named Arizona had arrived in the U.S. and was somewhere down here in Florida. The Hopkins job was done, but now I needed her assistance, had to work out my own problems. Problems that, if left unresolved, could have me sleeping six feet under. Four days ago, after vanishing for almost a year, Arizona had resurfaced and sent a message, a job offer. The message had been a cryptic text, had come from an untraceable phone, and was delivered to a temporary account on Gmail, one of a dozen we had set up for communicating. That particular account hadn't been used since I'd seen her in London. I'd gone to the Apple Store in Minnesota's Mall of America, the country's largest retail and entertainment complex. If the IP addresses were traced, it would lead to that store. I blended with the Mac heads, wore a baseball cap and shades, my face always down and away from the cameras. I logged onto a laptop and checked my messages. That con woman had sent me an encrypted message that gave me a location on the edge of Miami. Encryptions. Counter-surveillance. Rendezvous points. Wire transfers. It was the language and lifestyle of killers and cons. Within the next few hours, I was on a flight heading to the land of gators. When I had landed in Fort Lauderdale, Arizona had arranged what I needed. Ducati Street Fighter, black motorcycle helmet, racing gloves. All that, and a messenger bag that was weighed down by a nine, two extra clips, a remote, and something that would blow my target's mind. I took a deep breath, pulled up my face shield, and cruised. Starbucks was on the corner of Biscayne Boulevard and Concourse Circle Drive, inside a plaza dotted with palm trees and filled with BMWs, Hummers, Bentleys, and Benzes. This section of South Miami looked like a dealership for new and pre-owned luxury cars. The competition of capitalism continued despite the economic downturn. I circled the well-lit strip mall twice before I paused on that prime chunk of real estate. It was a parking lot that covered all the blood that had soaked into the soil. More than a century ago, the Seminoles in the U.S. fought over this land. A bloody war that might have been the deadliest and costliest of the Indian Wars, from the point of view of the U.S. of A. The sound of gunfire and cannon booms had been replaced with the hum of cappuccino machines and the purr of extravagant automobiles. The scent of war was now the aroma of the perfect latte. As soon as I headed inside, my cellular vibrated. It was a text message. Funds transferred. I deleted that message and moved on, looked out at a warm night that thieving man thought he would live to see. But someone with anger in their heart and money in their pockets had other plans. Inside was like Antarctica, the A.C. blowing on high, the noise level was in the red, a dozen multilingual conversations being trapped by glass and walls. Cubans had conversations about one Castro in their homeland being replaced by another Castro, argued that the free health care and free education wasn't enough to make them remain a fidelista, and things needed to change in a land where Cubans couldn't own cell phones legally and computers were prohibited. The Cubans sipped five-dollar coffees and argued over the need to defender el socialismo. Next to them, groups of elderly Jewish men discussed a meeting for Holocaust survivors.
There was a lot of noise. The non-stop whir of the machines making lattes and cappuccinos, the din of jazz being piped in, and people yapping on cellular phones. Hairs stood up on my neck, like in London. It felt like I was being watched. I went into the bathroom. Had to. Outside, I was cool. But anxiety clung to me, shook me like a winter's chill. For a moment, it felt like I was about to lose control. Another daymare. I'd had a few since Antigua. Images that attacked me while I was wide awake. I saw the dead. Faces I'd been paid to put in the ground. And I saw the faces of those who had tried to do the same to me. Standing behind them all, in the shadows. His face unclear, but his silhouette unforgettable. Was the man I had killed when I was seven. He was nothing more than a shadow. The mercenary they called Midnight.